Open your Bible with me this morning to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. And if you've joined us recently, you know that we are going through this series titled The Believer's Battleground. This is the second installment of that series. The second installment of The Believer's Battleground. Here is the final exhortation that Paul is giving to the church of Ephesus. After first having explained in chapters 1, 2, and 3 the wealth that they have, the wealth that you have in Christ Jesus. In chapter 4 and 5, then he describes the walk of the believer. How are we to walk according to that wealth or that calling? And then finally, not only is it a wealth and a walk, but it's also warfare. We know that the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. It is not a playground, it's a battleground. We are in spiritual warfare right now. It's not about if we will be in spiritual warfare or of when we step into warfare. We are currently, as Christians, as believers, as men and women, in spiritual warfare right now. We're fighting enemies in the spirit world, the world, the flesh, the devil, and its armies, its principalities, and its powers of Satan. And we must be aware of that. We must identify who the enemy is. Now notice, in the first three verses that we looked at two weeks ago from verses 10 to verse 12. In verse 10, he exhorts the believer to not fight this battle in his or her own strength. So we are reminded in verse 10, finally, the final exhortation, to fight, be strong in the Lord. Not in your own strength, because you'll become frustrated, because you'll be defeated. Don't strive. Don't, don't now be anxious, fighting the enemy by the power of the flesh, but that you would fight in the power of the Spirit. And then verse 11, it says, and put on the full armor of God. It means to put on the armor and don't take it off. And we studied as to how that is God's armor. That is the armor that He wears. And he shares with us as he shares his victory with us as well. But then also in verse 12, that we would know who the enemy is. Know the enemy, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The fight, the battle, it's not against your neighbor, it's not against your boss, it's not against another believer that you find yourself consistently at odds. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of darkness in the spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. So what is it that he has told us so far? He has said, number one, the enemy is Satan. The power to victory is God's. And the responsibility to put on the armor is yours. Now, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life, that this would be your mindset. That you would have another mindset than this one as a Christian. The enemy is Satan. The power to victory is God's. And the responsibility to put on the armor is yours. Because if you know this, if you memorize this, if you meditate on this, if you practice this, you will live a victorious Christian life. So we go from knowing the enemy now to understanding and knowing the equipment. Now that you know who your enemy is, it's important that you know how to use your equipment or what equipment is available so that when you're in battle, 
you're able to resist or fight back. Like a soldier that is standing in battle knowing how to use his or her rifle and has the vest and has the boots and has the helmet like a law enforcement officer that wears the duty belt and understands what equipment and weapons he has available for him to defend himself, to protect himself, but also to fight. And notice this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. (laughs) Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare, he says, they're not carnal. It's not your own strength. It's not your manipulation. It's not your now agenda. It's not your power. It's not your status. They're not carnal, but they're mighty in God. It's the power of God that pulls down strongholds. A stronghold in someone's life, a stronghold in society, a stronghold that we're facing right now because the enemy wants to see us fall. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. What does it mean that the weapons, the equipment that we use in warfare is spiritual. Would you write that down? Remember that? It is spiritual weapons. Do not make the mistake of fighting spiritual warfare in the flesh, in your own strength. Why? The Christian, you right now, believer, brother, sister, friend, understand that as a Christian, you are in unending conflict. This is the normal battle for the believer. It's unending. And it's not going to be easy. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I gave my life to Christ. Now everything's going to be better. And then you find out quickly that you've become a target of the enemy and things become harder. And then you said, well, I'm going to start serving the Lord. And then they became worse. Why? Because the enemy has a target on your life because you're a believer. So don't try to fight spiritual warfare in your own power. Use his Power, the whole armor of God, as we will look at it, is a mandatory tool. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. Here it's a command for the soldier. It's mandatory because the enemy wants to do everything possible, know this, to make you fall. Every single day, the enemy wants to see you fall. Fall in your holiness. Fall in your marriage. Fall with your children. Be discouraged. Attack your workplace. Attack the ministry. Attack your mind with discouragement, with depression, with anxiety. The enemy is always after the believer. So today we've titled the message, Resisting the Enemy. Would you write that down? Resisting the Enemy. That is the title of the message today. We pray that we leave church stronger, standing more firm, against the enemy than the way that we came in, that we are fully resisting the attacks of the enemy, that we are. And we're going to learn how to do that two ways. Number one, standing your ground. And number two, standing with truth. How do you resist the enemy? Standing your ground and then standing with truth. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning? As we read there from Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in in verse 13, I'll read the odd verses, and you read the even verses out loud together. It would say this, Ephesians 6, 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. 
And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the Gospel. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray for this, that we would speak boldly, that we would stand our ground, that we would stand with truth. We ask, Lord, that today we would not leave defeated, but that we would leave victorious. That the enemy would not have any ground in our life, any space, any power. Lord, encourage us. Give us your power. Give us your spirit against warfare. Let us know how to deal, how to fight, how to fight back, how to resist the enemy in Jesus' name. And together we would say, Amen. You may be seated. It begins here in verse 13 and verse 14. We're going to look at these two verses and focus in on these verses this morning. Stand your ground. Now I want you to know something today. The enemy only has as much power in your life as that which you give Him. The enemy has only as much power in your life as that of which you give Him. So here, in verse 13, he begins with giving us an exhortation to stand your ground. This is our proper response. This is now wearing the whole armor of God. This is why he says in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Therefore, or in light of spiritual warfare. Because we're in spiritual warfare. Because we've identified now that the enemy is the devil and he has organized different armies of spiritual powers and principalities that are involved in the warfare. Paul again emphasizes one more time the necessity of the Christian appropriating the armor of God in obedience to take it up and put it on. What is it that you are to do today as a Christian? In obedience, take up the armor and then Put it on. Put on the armor of God. So he says, therefore, put on, take up, circle the word here, whole. The whole armor of God. Why does he say this? He says, put on every piece of God's armor. Don't select, don't choose which piece you want to wear and the pieces that you do not want to wear. You need every single piece. Don't omit Every, any part of the armor, every single piece is essential against the wiles, against the strategies of the devil. Now the reason why this is so important is because Satan is always looking right now, he is looking at your life at any unguarded area that he can take advantage of. So he's looking at any area that is unguarded that he can take advantage of and their attack. So we should give no place to the devil as we put on the whole armor of God. In fact, Paul said that to the Ephesians already in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. He says, nor give place to the devil. Give him no room. Give him no room. The the devil already has been conquered. In fact, the Lord conquered Satan already at the cross. 
And now He's given us everything that we need to fight in spiritual warfare. He's given us the armor. By faith and obedience, we need to accept it, take it up, and put it on by prayer, by the Word of God, by understanding now the equipment. Now notice, we have already won the war in Christ Jesus. The the victory is final by the cross of Jesus Christ against the devil. The devil will never win against the Christian if we're submitted to Christ. We will not lose the war, but we are able to, it is possible, notice this, to lose battles along the way. The battle against temptation. The battle against sin, maybe. Maybe the battle against joy, the joy that today God has given you, or the battle against usefulness. Today the enemy is looking into your life. And he wants to steal your joy. He wants to take away the peace of your life. He wants to come and, and, and rip you off of your calling. Of tempt you with the world, with the opportunities, with success, or with sin and the flesh. There's always a battle to fight in spiritual warfare. And we have to be ready every area of our lives. In fact, I love what Warren Worsby said. He said it best when he said this, if being a good soldier involves obedience, discipline, or sacrifice, then many Christians have never enlisted or have gone AWOL. Just think about that. If being a good soldier means obedience, discipline, and sacrifice, then many Christians have never enlisted or have gone missing. Today, are you enlisted? Are you fully enlisted in the battle that is at hand before you? There is a battle. And you have to put on the whole armor of God in order or two. Notice verse 13. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Why is it that we wear the armor of God? Why is this so important? Why is this this final exhortation to the Ephesians? He says, so that you will be able, so that you would be enabled or empowered, that you would have God's power active in your life. How is God's power active in your life? When you rely on the Holy Spirit and when you put on the armor of God. God's power then becomes active in the life of the Christian. And that you would have power active, enabled, empowered to withstand now or resist the enemy. This is why he describes it this way. Withstand. What does it mean to withstand? It means to resist or stand against. You know, as a Christian, you're called to withstand. As a Christian, you're not called to hide against the enemy or to run or to be fearful or to be intimidated. No, God calls you. He has put you in spiritual warfare as a believer now, but He equips you with everything that you need for the battle. It's important for you to realize that, yes, God has called you to withstand the attacks of the enemy, but He has given you everything that you need to be able to to stand against the wiles of the enemy. In James chapter 4, verse 7, James tells the church that are being persecuted by the enemy, by those that were coming against the Christian faith. And he says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we put on the armor of God. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit so that, notice, you can resist the enemy. Resist them in your mind. Resist them at school. Resist them at work. Resist them in your home, in your relationships. The enemy is always attacking, but here you're supposed to put on the full armor of God. You're called to resist 
the enemy, not to run away from the enemy. As we study every single article, every single item of the armor of God, you're going to notice one thing, that there is not an item for the back of the soldier. Why? Because you are never to give your back to the enemy. You're to face the enemy head on. You're to resist, withstand the enemy. Notice, when are you to do this? It says in verse 3, in the evil day. In the evil day. It's not about when it comes. When the evil day will come, or if it comes, the evil day is now. And he's saying in the evil day, in the moment where you experience severe persecution, where you're tested and you're all alone, whether you're tested if you're going to stand for truth or not, when you're tempted with, with sin, when you're tempted with the flesh, when you're tempted with the world, that's the evil day. Notice that e- de- evil day was then and the evil day is now. And he's provoking here an urgency in the Ephesians. That because the days are evil, you have to put on the armor of God to withstand the persecution, the trials, the temptations that come from the enemy, the attacks. In Ephesians 5, verse 16, he's already said it this way, redeem the time, make the most out of every opportunity because the days are evil. Understand, today is the evil day. You see it in society. That society wants to weaken the church, weaken the Christian. Make the Christian so vulnerable to believe the deception and the lies that we would conform to the world. But no, today we're called to withstand that Christians would stand up for truth. That we would stand for truth. There's too many Christians today that are sitting back when God's called you to stand. Maybe today you, you are here, you've come in, and you find yourself casually following Jesus. I want you to know casually following Jesus leads to casualties in your spiritual walk. So notice this, without the strength of God, without the protection of the armor of God, it's impossible to withstand. We need His power, we need His armor to stand against the attacks of our spiritual enemies. But how many of us know today, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Can we praise the Lord for that? He's for us. He's in us. He's given us the power. He's given us the equipment. And he closes this verse, verse 13, saying this, in the evil day, having done all to stand. Circle all. The word all in the Greek still means all. That you do everything possible, having done everything possible to continue standing. That it's not a pathetic effort, half-hearted effort to stand. You know what? I don't really have to read the Bible today. That's a pathetic effort of standing. I don't really have to pray with other believers or spend time worshiping the Lord. or I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I've never met one Christian that is living a victorious life without the fellowship of other believers. We need the church. We need one another. So do everything in your power to stand that it would be now a Christian that is giving no ground to Satan. That you would become active. That you would become involved. That you would participate in the fight. Having done all, everything possible. Don't retreat from the enemy. Don't be casual. Don't be lazy about this fight. Don't be complacent. Well, I can just sit back. I don't have to do anything. What it means to be a Christian is to go to church, sit down, listen to a message, and then go home. 
No, don't be casual about your faith or complacent where you haven't grown in a long time, where you lack courage or comfortable, where you're not afraid. Notice here, this is what it means, that you're not afraid of confrontation. Do you want to know why a lot of people lose the battle? Because they're afraid of confrontation. They're afraid of calling the wrong when we should be fighting for the truth. And this is why he said, having done all to stand, that you're standing with convictions. Are you standing today with strong convictions? Or are your convictions weak that you tolerate anything? You know what happens when you have weak convictions? You begin to tolerate now what the world tells you to do. And you become a people pleaser, a pushover. We learned even two weeks ago there are no weaklings in God's battalion army that will survive without the armor of God. So he's saying here, do everything possible. When you do everything possible, you're not afraid of what other people are going to say, what they're going to think. Maybe you're, gonna, you're called to make a stand right now at school or in your family or with a loved one that doesn't know Christ. Do not be concerned what they're going to say if you make a stand for Christ. Because you, you want to now be approved by God, obey God, and please God. You know, the, the problem oftentimes is is that as a believer, as a Christian, for some reason, we are looking to be accepted by the world. And that's not what we're called to do. We are called to walk in holiness, to stand in this battle. So he says in verse 13, notice, in the evil day, having done all to stand, you will remain standing. If you're too scared to make a stand, you will not remain standing. If you're afraid of what others will say, you will not remain standing. He says, after the battle, you will remain standing firm against the enemy without wavering or without falling. You see, this is the mentality that we need to have so that we would not be defeated, that we would be standing firm against sin, standing firm today against temptation, standing firm today against opposition. Did you know that the devil today wants to oppose you? He wants to oppose the calling of God in your life. And there's a calling today of God in your life because of the gifts that He has given you. God has given every single believer a calling and a mission. He's given every single believer a course to fulfill and Satan will do everything in his power to stop it. God's called you to do something. You're going to receive and you should expect opposition. And when the attacks come, when he tries to intimidate you, you know what you're called to do? To stand. To not be moved. That we would understand that we're doing the Lord's work. Even against every type of hint of opposition from the devil and spiritual opposition and the attacks from the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. You will be attacked. But he's saying here, don't be afraid. Do everything you can to remain standing. Don't retreat. Don't be uncertain. Don't be half-hearted in the fight. It means that we are at our position and alert. That you are at your post right now as a believer, as a soldier, as a warrior, at that position and alert at the attacks that are coming. Notice that you are vigilant. So verse 13, you know what it describes? It's a picture here of a confident warrior with his feet on the ground planted, fighting back effectively. Not sitting, not retreating, not scared, but standing firmly, fighting back effectively. 
Now here he says that you would remain standing, having done all to stand. The Bible gives us many illustrations as to how and why we're to stand. Today I'm going to give you six. Six ways as to how we are called to stand as believers in His power and wearing His armor. Withstanding the attacks of the enemy. How do you do that? Standing this way. Number one, we're called to stand in courage and in strength. Did you know that? Today you're called to stand in courage and in strength. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Paul tells the church of Corinth, he tells them this, watch, be alert, stand fast. Stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. Don't be afraid of this world. Don't be afraid of what the pressures of persecution that come about you because of your faith. Be brave and be strong. Stand in courage and stand in strength. Number two here, Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, that we stand in faith. Not only do we stand in courage and in strength, we also stand in faith. We stand trusting in the Lord. Today we're not trusting in ourselves. Today we're not trusting in the world. We're not trusting in our power and our resources. We're trusting in the Lord. Notice 2 Corinthians 1.24 says this, not that we have dominion over your faith. He's saying, I don't have power over your faith, but you are our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. How do you stand today? You stand because you're trusting in the Lord. You stand because you're trusting in Jesus. But number three, we also stand in liberty. <laughs> that is incredible that God allows us through his son Jesus to receive the freedom from the bondage of sin, and now we stand in liberty. We stand as we trust in the Lord, free from sin, free from tradition of the law, free from any type of ritualism, works of the flesh that, that want to make us go back into bondage. And Paul tells the Galatians in Galatians 5.1, Stand fast. Continue standing, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. We are all free in Christ Jesus. And we should remain standing free, not in bondage to that sin, not in bondage to temptation, not in bondage to the flesh or the world, not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Be free from that sin. But what about this? The fourth reason as to how we are to stand, we are to stand in unity. Did you write that down? Stand in unity. He writes to the church of Philippi, Paul, in Philippians 1.27, they were have a pro they're having a problem with division in the church. And he says this, you are to stand together. You are to stand in unity with one another. That is where the strength is at. And he says this in Philippians 1.27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. That you're standing in one spirit together. So what are we to do? We're to stand in courage. Stand in faith. Stand in liberty. Stand in unity, but also stand in the Lord. Not only trusting Him, but being faithful to Him. Not unfaithful where we're wavering, where we're doubting, where we're now being distracted. But in Philippians 4.1, He reminds them as they're now being distracted and divided. He says this, Therefore, my beloved, long for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Be faithful to Him. Would you keep your eyes on Him today? 
Would you not be distracted by the divisions, the attacks that the enemy wants to come and bring before you and before the church? Stand in the Lord today. Don't be distracted. Don't be defeated. Don't be easily discouraged. Stand firmly in the Lord. And then finally, the sixth reason as to why we are to stand and how we are to do it, he says to the church of Colossae. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. We are to stand perfect and complete in the will of God. What does that mean? Stand growing, stand mature, stand rooted and grounded, growing in the will of God. Stand in his will. Don't stand outside of his will. Stand in the will of God complete. He says, Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. This is the pursuit. We are seeking to do these things. If you want to stand against the attacks of the devil, then ask the Lord, Lord, give me your strength and your power today that you have made available so I can stand in courage, stand in strength, stand in unity, stand in the Lord, so that I can stand perfect and complete in the will of God, so that I can stand in my liberty. So here he's talking to us in verse 13. Stand your ground. Don't be pushed. Don't be moved. Be firmly planted as a soldier, as a man and woman of God, understanding you're in warfare. Resist the attacks of the devil. This is how you do it. Number two, major point that we're going to look at today is stand with truth. Standing with truth. And in verse 14, he says this, stand therefore. <laughs> now we hear this word continuously be repeated. In verse 11, he said stand in verse now 13, he said, stand. In verse 14, he's saying, stand again. So what is the point that Paul is trying to give us? Remain standing. Remain standing in the power of the Holy Spirit and understand what weapons are available to you. Do you know what, what they are? Do you know how to use the weapons in your spiritual arsenal that God has given us? Now, the first three pieces of the armor of God that he describes or to be worn continuously on the battlefield. That's the belt, the breastplate, and the boots. The last three are the shield, the helmet, and the sword. They're kept ready now for when the actual fighting begins. And here when he says, stand fast, I want you to write this down there in your Bible where it says, take a firm position. This is what he's calling us to do, to take a firm position. You as a Christian are called to take a firm position on the issues of what is true and what is false. That you would take a firm position against the world. Did you know that the world today wants to water down the truth? That he wants to weaken the truth, weaken the spines of the Christians so that they would not stand for what is right, what is moral? Take a firm position on it. Don't be neutral. You cannot be neutral as a believer. You have to choose the side of truth if you're walking with the Lord. He's saying here, take a firm stand or position in the battle against Satan and the spiritual attacks. Why? Because the world wants to come in and manipulate you. The world wants to come in and move you and conform you and discourage you and now get you into bondage. Society desires to do that using the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and wickedness of the devil. So what are we to do as parents, as men, as women, as students, maybe fathers and mothers? Take a firm position. Have strong convictions. 
Don't allow someone to dictate how you are walking with Christ. Keep yourself accountable to the highest level. You know what that is? The Word of God. Keep yourself accountable to the highest level. That's the Word of God. And he begins here with the first article, with the first instrument of the armor of God. It's the preparation of truth. And he says it here, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Today we look at that piece of the armor. It's the belt of truth. Paul was looking at that Roman soldier in whom he was chained with. He was looking at the Roman soldier put on his armor there in the prison cell and in society. And he compared now the Roman soldier's uniform with the Christian life. Now what was the belt used for in that soldier? The belt was used to hold the armor in its place. The belt was used to hold the armor together. But what would happen was that the Roman soldiers would first have a tunic underneath. And before they put the armor on, they had a long tunic down to their ankles. And when they were not fighting, they would take off their armor and just walk in the tunic. But what happens is that they would put on this, gird their waist, they put on this belt to tie up the loose ends of that tunic and give them the freedom and the movement when they were ready to put on the armor so that they can fight. So they would be ready to fight without any hindrances or without any danger. They would have freedom of movement. Now just imagine going out to fight and having to fight and pull out your sword and then it gets now entangled in your tunic or your shield or you're not able to walk or run or have the agile freedom. So here when he's saying gird your waist, he's saying tie up or bring up any loose ends. For the Christian today, this is what we're called to do. That Before the armor is put on, the garments underneath, The garments inside. Notice, the garments inside are to be put together. This speaks of the inside. Now notice, the belt of truth is always placed for preparation to battle. The soldier is bringing in all the loose ends, preparing for battle, and the belt is all about readiness. Would you write that down today? The belt is all about readiness. So that means when you saw a Roman soldier put on his belt, that means he was about to fight. (laughs) He put on his belt and his tunic. He was tying up those loose ends. He wanted no hindrances to keep him away when he put that armor on and he was about to face the enemy. You were about to fight the enemy. So tie up any loose ends. Notice, it's about readiness. It's about now the preparation, but it's also about the protection. Because it protected that lower part of the body, those vital organs of life-creating force. It was a preparation. It was a protection. This belt of truth is vital. Now, do you remember that Jesus spoke of girding your waist as well? In Luke chapter 12, verse 35, He told the people this. He says, let your waist be girded and your lamps be burning. What does He mean by that? Let your waist be girded. He's saying, be ready. You don't know when the Son of Man is coming. When you gird your waist, when you put that bell on, it speaks of readiness. But it also speaks of protection. Protection. Peter would tell this to the church that was becoming persecuted in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. You know what he said? Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up, put that belt on the reproductive power of your mind. Bring in all the loose ends in your life. 
Be ready and protect your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We are to be ready. We are to be protected by bringing in any loose ends from within so that we can face the enemy the right way. Now, I want you to notice something as you look at every part of the armor, that he is the armor. (laughs) Jesus is the armor. Every part of the armor where it says truth or the breastplate of righteousness or the helmet of salvation, it describes the attributes of God. (laughs) It's who he is. He is the truth. He is righteousness. He is salvation. He is peace. He is the sword. So here as we see it, we see Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is that truth that we have to stand in and walk in. So he says, put on, gird your waist with the belt of truth. Now let's look at the belt of truth here. The belt of truth produces these three things in your life that we want to look at and study today. It gives you, number one, a life of integrity, the belt of truth. And here when he says the belt of truth, he's referring to we being girded or to tie around your waist the general working knowledge of the truth. That's what it means, truth. What kind of truth is it referring to? That you would have an understanding, a general working understanding, knowledge of the truth, of the whole counsel of God. That truth that you hold in your hand right now, the Bible, that you would hold the truth, understand the truth, the whole counsel of God. The first line of battle is always the truth. So understand the truth. Understand the Word of God. And the belt is pulling in those spiritual loose ends in your life from within as you're reading the Bible. Notice that's what happens. It brings in all the spiritual inconsistencies together as you're spending time in the Word of God. But not only are you in the Bible, then notice here, the Bible is in you. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm always in the Bible. Yes, but is the Bible in you? (laughs) So when you put on the Now, belt of truth, you know what you're saying? I am walking in the truth that I'm wearing. I understand the general knowledge of the truth, but I am walking in it. I am obeying it. The belt of truth speaks of living a life in obedience to the truth. In fact, it's the idea of sincere commitment to fight and to win without hypocrisy. Back in the day during the theater times and the time here in Ephesus when the word hypocrite was very common because it meant to speak from under. In the theater, an actor would have a mask on. He would speak from under the mask. It would be heard. And here he's saying the very thing, that you would not speak or live or walk with hypocrisy. The truth here is referred to a life of integrity. Do you have a life of integrity today? It's referring to a life of practical usefulness, of practical truthfulness, of honesty here. That you're not divided, that you're the same person everywhere at all times. In fact, he's saying, put on the belt of truth, have a consistent life wearing the belt and walking in it. Where nothing, notice, is hindering you or compromising your life where you're willing to stand for those things that you talk about. Did you know that you can't prosper against the enemy with duplicity? You can't do it if you're living a double life. And he's saying here that you would have in your life integrity that's pulling in any loose ends of your life. 
that you would not be living a double life. It's been said before that the only thing worse than lying to others is lying to yourself. So notice why the bell of truth is so important. It's the integrating force of the believer now. If you're going to live a Christian life, why? Because a man and a woman that has a clear conscience, that it is walking in integrity. You know what you can do now when you have a clear conscience and you're walking in integrity? You can face the enemy without fear. The reason why oftentimes we run from the enemy is because we don't have integrity. Or we can't stand up boldly is because there's a lack of truthfulness in our lives. And the belt also held the sword. So what does this tell us? That before we can use the sword, before we can practice the truth, we can't use the truth and thus we're practicing it. How many Christians, even ourselves, oftentimes we want to use that sword in the armor of God, which is the Bible, to attack the enemy. But we ourselves are not living that truth that we try to use. So he's saying what? Use the truth. Live in the truth. Practice the truth. This is now the belt of truth that speaks of readiness that gives you confidence. Today you want confidence? Then live in the truth. Live in integrity. A readiness that leads to confidence that leads to usefulness. Many people say, you know what? Well, I want God to use my life. You want to be used? Then make yourself usable. By walking in the truth. Think about David for over a year. King David. He lied about his sin with Bathsheba and nothing went right during that time. In Psalms chapter 34, Psalms chapter 51, tell us of that price that had to be paid because of his sin, because of his disobedience, adultery and murder. Everything in your life falls apart when you're not walking in truth. Everything falls apart. When you become tolerant, when you allow hypocrisy in your life. So you have to be sure that the seed that you sow in your life that the seed that you're sowing in other people's lives, in the ministry, at work, and wherever you're going, that that seed, not only is it truth, or is it called truth, but it's the truth of God. (laughs) How many times have you heard that people say, you know what, well, the Lord is saying we should do this. That's what He's saying, the Lord is saying. Or, thus says the Lord. And we use that as a form of authority. But notice, we're not communicating His truth sometimes. We're committing communicating our opinions. We're misrepresenting the truth. We're not being truthful because we want to get our own agenda. Be careful that you don't do that. That you don't change or try to water down the truth. Misrepresent the truth to steer and manipulate your own agenda. Putting on the belt of truth means that you're walking in the knowledge and the practice of integrity. And the knowledge and the practice of integrity. Now, number two, the reason why we have to wear the belt of truth was to defeat the enemy. Why? Because the enemy is a liar, right? And the enemy knows that he can deceive the believer who is weak and doesn't have a good understanding of the truth that is not walking in it. Satan is a liar. But the believer whose life is controlled by truth, who has truth from the inside out, notice what happens. He will defeat Satan. You want to learn how to stand strong against the enemy, how to withstand the enemy? Then have truth from the inside out. Have truth from the inside out. That's the first step to withstanding. To standing is to put on truth because the devil is the father of lies and deception is his business. That's what he wants to do, deceive and to manipulate. He wants to show, show error. 
and sugarcoat the truth in your life. He wants to manipulate and deceive you now to think otherwise. That's what we have to before God today, before you leave today, that you know that you are wearing, you are walking in the truth, the whole truth before God and nothing but the truth. It's not emotion. It's not striving. It's not your own power. It's that you say, I have an understanding of the truth of God's word and I'm walking in it. It's in me now. You can talk about faith. You can pray as much as you want. But a person who's not wearing the belt of truth, who is not living a life of integrity, will be defeated by Satan every single time. What does the Bible tell us? Jesus said in John 8, 34, and you shall know the truth, and everyone says that loud together, and the truth shall set you free. That's what the truth does as you're walking in it. To live a life of integrity, to defeat the enemy, but also, finally, number three, to discern his attacks. To discern his attacks. You want to be able to discern the attacks of the enemy to overcome discouragement today. Maybe today you're, you, you, there's discouragement in your life. That's how he's attacking you. The enemy always knows how to attack the weakest area of your life. And if it's your mind, he'll attack there. If it's your emotions, he'll attack there. If it's your heart that's not protected, he'll attack there. So notice, understand where the belt of truth so that you can discern his attacks and overcome discouragement, overcome deception, overcome distractions so that you're not easily defeated. How many Christians today you know of that are not wearing the belt of truth? That maybe know of the Bible, but they don't wear the truth. They don't live in it. They don't walk in it. It's not obedient. It's, and there's no integrity in their lives. So they're constantly falling and being defeated in the battle. It was Thomas Manton that said this. A Bible scholar said, leave not off reading the Bible till you find your heart warmed. Don't stop reading the Bible till you find your heart warm, he says. Let it not only inform you, but let it inflame you. That <laughs> You would be on fire with the Word of God. No, wear the belt of truth. Let it inflame you. What did Jesus do in those 40 days in the desert? And the enemy came and attacked one time. Again, again, and again, four times. Each time Jesus responded, it is written. He had an understanding of the truth and he was walking in obedience. Having the belt of truth, notice what it does, involves you today having a high view of this book here, of Scripture, that you have a high view of the Bible, that you hold yourself accountable to what this says. Not to what people think, not what the world wants you to do, not what your spouse is saying, but what the Bible says. That you believe in every single word of here, of the Bible. And you hold yourself accountable to the standard of the Word of God. I want you to know something as you read the Bible, even today as we're reading Scripture, that His Word is always on time. Write that down. Memorize that. Remember that. His Word is always on time. And if you don't have truth in your life, the only thing you'll have is corruption. If you don't have truth, the only thing that you will have is corruption. Notice this. A high view of the Bible is knowing this, that it serves as the ultimate authority in your life and that you are to submit to it and to walk in it because number one, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not your opinion. It's what the Holy Spirit says. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, he gives an encouragement to the believers. He says, knowing that no prophecy 
of Scripture is of any private interpretation. God has given us all the Bible that we would understand and have a revelation of His will for our lives. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This book right here, the Bible, was written, inspired by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture, Paul tells Timothy, is given by the inspiration of God. It is inspired. It is God-breathed so that we can now read it, partake of it, take it serious, and walk in it. The Word of God. It is inspired. Have a high view of it. This is God speaking to you. In fact, when you open the Bible, just think about this. These are God's breath literally speaking to you right now. But it's also inerrant. What does it mean that it is inerrant? That means it's pure. It's not defiled. It's not corrupted by anything. It's not tampered by man. It's by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Proverbs 30, verse 5, Solomon said this, every word of God is pure. Every single word that you read in the Bible, it is pure. You can trust it. He is a shield. He's a protection of those who put their trust in Him. You can trust the Bible. When you trust man, you'll get hurt. When you trust God's Word, you'll be used. Would you trust His Word? It's an error. It's pure. But it's also infallible. What does that mean? That it is accurate. His Word is so accurate. Notice in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another. Let psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs be now singing in your hearts with grace to the Lord. Colossians 3.16. It's infallible. It's accurate. In fact, isn't this exactly what the Lord commanded Joshua as he was now succeeding Moses. And you know what Joshua was? He was a warrior. He was a captain. He was a commander of, of armies that fought series of battles to take the nation of Israel into the promised land. And, and notice what now the Lord reminds Joshua. He says this, Joshua, you're going to face many battles. And the only thing effective in your life is that you stick to the word of God, that you now even tie the belt of truth, that you walk in the obedience to the word of God that you seek to master it until it masters you. Now think about that. That you seek to master the Bible today until it has mastered you. Has it mastered your mind and mastered your desires? Mastered your speech? Every step that you take? He told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You should meditate on it day and night. People ask me all the time, well, pastor, should I read the Bible in the morning or at night? When's the best time to have my devotions? The Bible says day and night, so both. Meditate on it. It says throughout the day, in the morning, at night, as you're walking everywhere you go, that you may observe to do everything according to that's written in it. Then it will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You want to be courageous? You want to be confident? You want to be obedient? Then observe His word and obey His word. Think about how many Christians have been walking with the Lord for many years, 20, some 30 years, have never read the whole Bible. I want to encourage you today, if you want to put a bell on truth, you want to step into obedience, integrity, then saturate yourself in the Bible every single day. And, and read it cover to cover. Get a plan where you read a couple chapters of the Old Testament, a couple chapters of the New Testament every single day, and, and within a span of a year, you've read the entire Bible. That is putting on the armor of God practically that you're rooted and grounded in the truth, that you have an honest 
obedient approach to the word of God. You're not just expecting to come to church and the pastor's going to give me everything that I need. No, today, you have a responsibility in every single day of your life to dig deep, in depth, on your own, to the truths of the word of God. That is your responsibility. Paul tells Timothy that you would present yourself a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we're called to do. Did you know that? In fact, Paul was a tent maker. You know what he did? He built tents. He did it with the skins of animals. And when he's saying that, he's speaking in tent language. Rightly divide the word of truth. He's saying, I want you to cut now the word of God as you cut that skin of a tent. Cut it, making a straight line. That we would be able to divide the word of truth that way. That you have a commitment to cutting it with a straight line. That you know how to handle the word of God. But what are we to do today, even as we come to a close this morning? If we are to wear the belt of truth, gird our waist with the belt of truth, notice what we are to do. Bring in any loose ends. Bring in any loose ends today. Loose ends of compromise. Loose ends that are hindering you. Loose ends that are not giving you the freedom to serve the Lord the way that you, are, you should serve him. Any loose ends that are tripping you up always that are causing you to compromise, that are causing you to have weak convictions so that you tolerate things that you should not. When you put on that belt, no longer are you hindered. When you start walking in obedience and holiness, no longer are you pleasing others. And in Hebrews chapter 12, Paul tells them, he says, therefore, because we're surrounded in so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin, anything that trips you up, anything that slows you down, anything that's a sin, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So maybe today you find yourself in a place where there are hindrances, where there are things in your life that do not belong, that you have to bring in all the loose ends. As you understand the counsel of God, the will of God for your life, and that you seek to practice it with honesty, with truthfulness, and with integrity. How can you do that? In the power of his might. Not in your own power, in the power of his might. You can live a life of integrity today in the power of his might. You can live a life of integrity as you give your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And you say, I know in my own strength, I'm always going to be defeated. I know my sin separates me from God. What has brought me together is my understanding that Christ went to the cross to pay the price for my sins. And as I put my trust in him, now I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and I have the promise of eternal life. If you're here today and you say, today I want that promise or today I want to stand in truth because I haven't been standing in truth. I have been letting a lot of loose ends get away. I haven't been standing in integrity. I need his power to do this. If you're here today and you want to start to stand in truth, then I'm going to invite you to stand right now, right where you are. Would you stand right now, right there where you are? You're saying, today I need prayer in this area. 